0: Well, good evening. Good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here. Uh, Glad to have those who are here in person. Glad to have you joining with us uh, online there, whether you're on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, any of those platforms. Be sure to heart, to like, to share, retweet on Twitter there. Uh, Follow us on Facebook. Uh, Give us a thumbs up there, as well as on YouTube if you'll subscribe there. Give us a thumbs up and click the notification bell uh, if you want to get those uh, automatic notifications when we go live. So thank you for joining us, as well as on our phone live streaming. Welcome to those who are also There on that. If you're at home, I encourage you to go to our church website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. It's under the Info tab that you can download today's worship bulletin for this week. A lot of upcoming activities. We try to keep some of the more current things that are happening uh, in the bulletin. So uh, be sure to get one of those. There's a lot of things that are happening as well as uh, you can download the children's worship bulletins there. If you need either one of those, they're in the windowsills here. We'll be glad to come around and to give anybody one of those that needs one, or you can pick one up on your way out or anytime during the service that you would like to. Uh, Also, we have our prayer list. These are out here in the hallway out across from the offices. Uh, You can download this also under the info tab. So be sure uh, to do that. We've added some this morning and they'll be added to the prayer list uh, this coming Wednesday. And then while you're there on our church website, go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. Uh, It's an easy platform to do your online giving, a one-time gift. Uh, You can do it as a recurring gift. You can also designate your gift there. Uh, So I encourage you to take the time to do that. If you want to do that in person, offering envelopes are in the uh, pew in front of you, and then the offering plates are down here at the front for you to put that in. So welcome again. Uh, Brother Mike, come and lead us, if you will. Matthew 21, 16
1: says, From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. So let's sing hymn 31. Praise Him, all ye little children. Ms. Pat? Praise Him, praise Him, all ye little children, God is. God is love. Praise him, praise him, all ye little children. God is love. God is love. Love him, love him, all ye little children. God is love. God is love. Love him, love him, all ye little children. God is love, God is love. Thank him, thank him, all you little children. God is love, God is love. Thank him, thank him, all you little children. God is love, God is love.
0: I did not get a chance to check that by the hymnal. There are some other verses and some other things for that. So take your Bibles tonight, if you will. You heard the passage there that Brother Mike read uh, for us uh, that comes from Matthew chapter 21. That's where we're going to be again uh, tonight. We're going to be picking up at verse 13, kind of where we left off uh, this morning, and going down through uh, verse uh, 16, And then we'll just continue on uh, through the Gospels looking at the life of Jesus. Uh, tonight's message I've entitled Cleaning House. You know, sometimes as you get close to, to spring, you start thinking about spring cleaning and getting rid of some of the old things in the house, some of the things that you've been building up clutter uh, with, and you need to get rid of some of those things at times. And, and that's kind of a little bit the imagery that we're going to see here. Uh, from this passage tonight, that we need to be cleaning house uh, in our own lives uh, also. So Matthew 21, uh, verse 13, uh, and that's where we'll just begin uh, with that, that verse, and then we'll catch up with the rest of the verses as we get further down. So let's stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word. And He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for your word tonight. We thank you for... Uh, your presence here. And we ask, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to fill us tonight. Uh, We ask, Lord, for you to move in our lives, to draw us closer to you than ever before, that especially if there are those who are here tonight or watching online who don't know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, may today be the day of salvation for them. But, Lord, I pray for those who are uh, believers also that you will use this message to encourage us to make sure that we are coming before you, Lord, and seeking your cleansing and your forgiveness for our sins. So bless this word tonight. Teach us some of your truth through this passage. And we just ask, Lord, that your will be done in our hearts and in our lives as we surrender our lives to you tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. And you can be seated. You know, there's a lot that the word of God has to say about anger and even about controlling anger and your temper. Uh, you ever heard the term when uh, someone is seeing red? You know what that means. Uh, you, you don't have to wonder if a person's angry. Uh, you, you, you can see it. You can hear it. Uh, and You might even be able to feel it. Uh, the expression comes from the red cape, uh, of the matador uh, that they use in, in the bullfighting there. Uh, bulls see that red cape and it so enrages them uh, that they charge. Uh, what scientists uh, what was fascinating is that scientists have shown that angry people really do see red where others don't. Uh, in fact, some researchers in a study found that when people with hostile personalities are shown images that are not quite totally red and not quite totally blue, that they're more likely to see the color red. In fact, angry faces uh, become redder uh, because of facial flushing. Uh, we've all seen people that they just get so mad their face is like a beet red. Uh, because they're so mad. You know, sometimes you might wonder, is it embarrassment or whatever? But many times if you're hearing the words and seeing the expression uh, and you see their face getting red, you can tell uh, that it's anger. And so what is so unusual about this passage here uh, is who saw red on more than one occasion. Uh, The person who sees red in this passage is Jesus. Uh, Jesus got angry, uh, although Jesus never sinned which is going to clue us in to uh, the truth of this passage. Because you see, anger... Uh, has many times gotten a bad rap in some ways. It's not always wrong to be angry. In fact, sometimes it's not wrong to be angry. When you see the times that Jesus got angry, uh, you begin to understand uh, that when it's appropriate to be angry. So we're learning here from Jesus that anger is appropriate when it's expressed at the right time, in the right place, for the right reason. And so when we look at all the times that Jesus got angry, you're going to discover that the major reason that he got angry and that we ought to even have a holy anger also and who his anger was directed towards, you're going to see this. This is probably one of the occasions where Jesus got the most angry that he had ever gotten. In fact, uh, he not only expressed his anger verbally, uh, he expresses it physically, as we're going to see in just a moment. You know, probably the most shocking picture of Jesus in the New Testament is when he literally cleans house uh, here at the temple. Uh, in fact, he does it twice. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at the two different passages. One is in John chapter 2, and the other is in Matthew chapter 21. In John, he cleanses the temple at the beginning of his ministry. And in Matthew, he does it at the end of his ministry. And so the story, the story answers the two questions, what made him angry, And who was it that his anger was directed towards? So we're going to see the one thing that made Jesus angry, that made him see red, that that literally made his veins pop on his neck, uh, raising his blood pressure, dilating his eyes. It was when people claimed, people who claimed to know God tried to keep people who didn't know God from getting to God. Uh, That's when Jesus was the most angry. Uh, you know who it was that made him the most angry? Religious people. We would say today the church people. Jesus never got angry at sinners. You ever notice that? Not one time in the scriptures and in, in all the gospels do we see him getting angry at sinners. He always got angry with those who claimed to be saints. He never got angry with people outside the church. He got angry with people inside the church. So when you study this story, understand that Jesus teaches us how we should look at the temple, but we're going to see there's more to the story than just that, more to the story than we've always understood. So the first thing I want you to see from these verses and the verses in John 2 Is that we ought to care about the welfare of the temple? We should care. For the welfare of the temple, so understand what's going on here. Uh, the the Passover uh, it was the, the the spiritual Mardi Gras, if you would, uh, of the Jewish people. Uh, we talked about that a little bit this morning. That that once a year, uh, no matter where you lived, if you were Jewish, uh, you had to go to the Passover, uh, and and you had to go to the temple, and you had to offer a sacrifice to God, and you had to give an offering to God in the form of a temple tax. Now, on the one hand. These people were actually doing a service. These people who were gathered in the temple courtyards there, uh, who Jesus turns their their tables over uh, in just a moment. So on the one hand, they're actually doing a service. It was more convenient for people uh, who had to travel a long ways to buy an animal once they got there uh, that was certified, if you will, for uh, the sacrifices than to bring one along with them. Now the money changers they also made things easier. Uh, for the travelers uh, because they had to pay the temple tax with a certain type of currency. Uh, You couldn't pay it uh, with Roman money uh, because it had Caesar's image on it, uh, which was considered a form uh, of idolatry. It was more efficient to uh, simply exchange uh, the money so they could buy the sacrifice once they got to the temple. And so it's, it's kind of that same principle uh, that, that many times we see with, with our giving online or doing online transactions. And so uh, there's more that we're going to see here than meets the eye. So Jesus, as we talked a little bit at the end this morning, has come into the courtyard. He's, he stood in silence. He watched what was going on. And now he comes back to the temple. Uh, the disciples may not have seen it. But there was a ticking time bomb there in the temple. What's about to happen, they never expected to see when all heaven breaks loose and Jesus just goes full board, uh, just just turning everything over, smashing everything. In fact, I want you to look at what John's gospel has to say. We're going to come back to Matthew's here uh, in a moment. But John's gospel in John chapter 2 and verse 15 says this. So it says, and making a whip of cords. So get the picture here. He's sitting over in the corner, standing over in the corner, watching everything that's going on in his father's house, and he's making a whip. That's what he's doing while he's over there and he's seeing what they're doing and how they're dishonoring God with the things that they're doing in the temple here. And so he's making a whip of cords and he takes that whip of cords and he drives them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Now it's very interesting when you look at the words and, and, and you begin to understand a little bit of the Greek words behind these because the word that's used there for drove out is the same word that's translated in other places in the New Testament about casting out demons. It's the very same word. And that's exactly as Jesus is looking out across the temple courtyard there into seeing this scene. He saw in those religious hucksters, if you will, he saw the demonic. And what happened? What was it that that set Jesus off? These religious leaders had turned God's house into their own personal ATM money-making machine, if you would. You had to buy animals to offer a sacrifice, but you had to have the proper currency to buy the animals. And so here were these wolves, if you would, in sheep's clothing, and and here's what they were doing. First of all, they would exchange whatever Roman currency you had for the temple currency, for the temple coins, to pay the temple tax and to be able to buy animals. But the money changers, they were charging 6% most of the time, for, for, for changing the money. If the coin was of a greater value than the required half shekel to pay the tax, they charged an additional 6% for giving change. That one charge was about a half a day's wage for a working person. But they weren't finished. They also had to buy the animal for the sacrifice if they didn't bring their own. Now, we're going to get to that in just a moment and how they would twist that. So they they also had to buy this animal for the sacrifice. So think about this. What if you did? What if you did bring your own? I mean, everybody would think, well, I just want to avoid all that. I'm just going to bring my own from home. Well, every animal had to be without spot. It had to be without blot. It had to be without blemish to be offered as a sacrifice. And surprise, 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 as Gomer Pyle would say. These religious leaders, these charlatans, if you will, they were experts in looking at that sheep, looking at that animal, and they would get down and fine tooth look through the hair. Oh, there's a spot. We can't accept that offering, so you got to buy one from us that's already been approved. You can see where this is all leading. So you had to buy one of their animals. There were no blue light specials with their animals. They never went on sale. In fact, the going rate for a sheep or a goat would be 10 times what an animal normally cost and a pair of doves up to 50 times what they normally cost. But it gets worse. The high priest, Annas, he was over the entire temple complex and everybody wanted a piece of his action. I mean, you wanted to be one of those people who were in the temple courtyard who brought your animals and and got them certified to to sell them to everybody because you could make a fortune. And and so everybody wanted a piece of the pie there, a piece of the action. If you wanted to be a money changer or or an animal seller, you had to pay him a franchise fee, if you will, uh, to be able to set up your booth, to be able to set up your table. After that, he also got a cut off all the prophets which is why Jesus says in verse 13 there my house shall be called a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers so Jesus calls it there a den of robbers because a place where thieves hide is called a den it's it's one thing to turn a house into a den of thieves but it's another thing to turn God's house into a den of thieves. All of which is to say, we need to be careful about the welfare of God's temple in what goes on inside God's temple and what comes outside of God's temple. That's the first point. Secondly, we ought to care about the worship in the temple. Now, the first time Jesus cleansed the temple is, when, uh, is what he preached in John chapter 2 and verse 16 and verse 17. And so it says, he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. So get this, the first time he comes and he does this, he tells them, get this stuff out of here. Take it with you. Don't bring it back. We don't see him overturning the money tables at that time. We don't see him whipping everybody to get them out of his father's house. He says, you take these things away, you do it. Don't make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now the only thing that ought to be going on in God's house is God's worship. Anything that degrades or detracts from God's worship, anything that defrauds God's worship needs to be removed and eliminated. The only thing that ought to fill God's house is God's glory. Neither God nor his house nor his name nor his message is ever to be turned into some kind of money-making machine. It was time to call out those who were governed by greed and not by God. They were more concerned about their goals than they were about God's glory. Even today, people like that are easy to spot. They're more interested in their profit than they are God's profit. They're more concerned with what you have than what you need. They care more about your donation than they do your salvation. You've heard the the sales pitches before. You've heard them say things like, if you'll give a donation to their ministry, God will give you even more back to you. If you give them $100, God will give you $1,000. You've heard things like that before. Let me be very clear here. If anyone who claims to be a man of God or a woman of God, a prophet of God, a preacher of God's Word, offers you more than Jesus, something plus Jesus, or anything besides Jesus, change the channel immediately. Get out of the place immediately. There's more than one way, though, to make God's church a den of thieves and robbers. Because one of the ways we can do that is when a church, when believers refuse to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about sin and about judgment. That church is robbing both the people who need to hear God's Word and the God who gave His Word to be heard. When all you ever hear is happiness... And, and blessing, and nothing about God's holiness and His judgment, when all you ever hear is about heaven and nothing about hell, when all you hear is about joy and not about judgment, when all you ever hear is about forgiveness and not faithfulness, then you're being robbed of the truth that you need to hear, and God is being robbed of the truth that He gives. So, Jesus, here, when all this happens, He sees red. He sees red when those who are in in, in pastoral positions or other positions hide the truth and people aren't allowed to hear the truth because that goes to the very heart of worship. That's why Jesus said we would worship God in spirit and in truth. So let's read on and see what happens here in these verses. We're going to find out in verse 14 down through verse 16 in just a moment uh, what happens. And so uh, these overturned tables, uh, there's coins flying everywhere, Uh, religious uh, fakes are literally being driven out of the temple by a whip uh, is exactly what we should have expected from Jesus who cared about worship in the temple. But it was unexpected by the people who saw it. Sometimes there's the idea that Christians should get along with everybody and never become angry over anything. Sometimes anger is not only condemned, but it's commanded and it's commended. And so we ought to care about worship in the temple. So let's look at this third part here, that we ought to care about the witness of the temple. So keep in mind that there are two purposes of the temple. There's the worship that goes on inside the temple... Uh, But there's also the witness that goes on outside the temple. And and so it's immediately after Jesus does that, everything has died down. And we come to verse 14, after he's turned over all the money changer tables back in verse 12. And he said, you've made my father's house a den of robbers in verse 13 in Matthew's gospel in chapter 21. Verse 14 says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. So immediately after he overturns these tables, as he takes the the whip and and drives the money changers out and and, and drives all the animals out, immediately after that, look who comes, the blind and the lame. They come to him to be healed. Verse 15, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did... And the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, which is what they had been crying out in the previous verses when he came into the city gates. They had been crying that out, waving their palm branches, laying their garments before him as he came. They had been crying that. Now they're crying that in the temple. Uh, Hosanna in, in the, to the son of David. When they did that, the, these priests and scribes, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise? So keep in mind here those two temple purposes. There's worship that goes on inside the temple. There's witness that goes on outside the temple. Notice what Matthew says here. Matthew says in these verses, he calls what Jesus did wonderful. He calls it wonderful. When he heals the blind and the lame and the sick come rushing to Jesus, uh, he calls it wonderful. And the scriptures even say that the children begin to break out in praising God. Now, even though all four gospels record the cleansing of the temple, Matthew is the only gospel writer to record the healings that happen afterwards. And and I think the reason is because do you remember who Matthew was? Who was Matthew? He was a tax collector, he wasn't one of those religious leaders. He was one of those people that was despised by the world. We've already talked about Matthew uh, before and and about tax collectors uh, themselves. He was seen as the lowest of the low and, and the most lost of the lost. And yet when he came to Jesus, Jesus cleaned his house and saved him. Now back in the day many Jewish authorities, they would forbid the lame and the blind and the deaf and the sick and the handicapped from offering sacrifices because they felt like those people, they're just not worthy to do that. So the ones who were on the outside looking in are now on the inside looking out. The ones who wanted to make God a business... They were standing in the way of those who wanted to do business with God, and that made Jesus incredibly angry. But here's even more to the story than that. All of that business was being done in the temple courts, in the courtyards. And in fact, it was the courtyard of the Gentiles that all this was happening in. Not in the courtyard of the Jewish people, not next to the Holy of Holies. This was happening in that outer courtyard of the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? The world. It's the people who weren't God's chosen people. And so they were the outsiders. That, That was the only place that you could come and worship God was in that Gentile court that belonged to them, and yet this was the very place that they were refused to be able to go because this is where the business was being done. And so Jesus wasn't just angry at the profiteering. He was also angry at the bigotry, at the racism, at the discrimination. The only place where Gentiles were allowed to come and allowed to worship and allowed to pray was off limits. The ultimate purpose of those who are on the inside Of God's house is to welcome inside welcome those who are outside inside of God's house so they can become a part of God's family it angered Jesus that now God's temple was being used for mercenary business instead of missionary business so Jesus wasn't just cleaning house he was cleaning the house so that those who were still on the outside could come to the inside of the house. Now now comes, though, there's more to the story, now, now comes the climax of this message. So too often, we have been guilty of misunderstanding what Jesus is really talking about here, what this story is really all about. What we should be asking, what we should be saying is, that's a great story, but what does that have to do with me? I mean, think about it. We don't have the temple today. In fact, the church building itself is not the equivalent of the temple itself. And so we don't worship in a temple anymore, neither do the Jews, because there is no temple. Here's the life-changing truth. God's temple is not a building. You understand that? God's temple is not a building. The church is not the temple, but God still has a temple. You know where it's at? If you are a follower of Jesus, it's you. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus comes to live in you, and you become his house. 1 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse 19 and verse 20 says, here's what Paul said. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We're the temple of God. Now, some may think you're reading into the text there and just making it up, but it's not. Listen to what Jesus himself says at the end of this story when you read over in John's gospel in John chapter 2 and verse 18 through verse 21. Here's how John records the end of the story. He says, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. What's he talking about? He's talking about the physical Building of the temple there in Jerusalem. He says, destroy this temple, and what's he say? And in three days, I'll raise it up. Now, wait a second. That's not the temple building, is it? That's what they thought. He's talking about the temple. You're going to destroy this temple. How could you possibly do that? We're angry with you. This is God's house, and you're going to tear it down? Jesus is pointing out something here to them. They were missing the point. When he says, destroy this temple, he was talking about his body. You can destroy this body, he says, but in three days it'll be raised up again. Because verse 21 goes on to say, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. Jesus wasn't talking about a building. He was talking about his body. And so when he's talking about the temple here... In these verses, he's talking about your body. So let's bring all this home. Give you the shorter message tonight than I did this morning. We ought to care about the welfare of this temple. We ought to care about the witness of this temple. So here's the question. We ought to care about the worship of this temple. Here's the question. Does your house need cleaning? Is your house a place of worship 24-7 on the inside? Is your house a place of witness 24-7 on the outside? I mean, understand this, we're all born with dirty houses. We're all born into this world as sinners. We're born with selfishness and self-centeredness, concerned only about our welfare and not God's welfare. Understand this, you'll never get your house in order until Jesus cleans your house. What's that mean? The one who can clean God's house... Is the only one who can clean your heart and that may mean that in your heart in your life he's gonna have to turn over some tables and he's gonna have to throw all your money all over the floor and drive out anything in your life that is keeping you from God but when it's over just like in the temple When it was over, there were those who came for healing. When it's over, you and everyone who comes to know you will praise God and thank God and love God because your house is clean. I can't clean our house like Samantha can clean our house. (laughs) She can tell you that. (laughs) I can go and clean things and, and it's not up to the standards there. Understand this. I can't clean my life up to the standards of God. Only He can. That's why I have to come before Him humbly and say, "Dear God, I have sinned before You." What does He say in John chapter one and verse one, verse nine? He says, "If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just." to forgive you your sins, and to cleanse us, clean us out of all our unrighteousness. That's what Jesus will do for you when you come to him with a humble heart, when you come to him and say, Jesus, I need my house cleaned out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. There are many who are here tonight, Lord, some who are even watching online, who they trusted in Jesus maybe many years ago, maybe not too long back, but in that trusting in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, we know that a cleaning, a cleansing happened in their heart and in their life, and you got everything out of their life that didn't need to be there. And they were totally sold out to you. But, Lord, all too often, just like in real life, clutter begins to build. And we begin to find places to store things and keep things. And we even pay storage, pay for rent for storage places to keep some of those things. And we do that spiritually, even in our lives. And so, Father, I pray tonight that we'll unlock all the doors and all the closets and all the storage rooms and say, here it is, Lord. Lord. Get rid of everything in my life that doesn't need to be there. Lord, clean my heart. Clean my life. Father, I pray that you'll do some cleaning. Lord, that you'll turn some tables over and you'll throw some money on the floor and, and you'll do whatever it takes, Lord, to get us focused on you. Father, I pray that you'll, you'll do that for me even. This isn't just a message for the people, it's a message for the pastor too. And so, Father, I pray that 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 will happen, that we will come to the place of repentance as believers. But, Lord, I especially plead with those tonight, and I plead for your Holy Spirit to speak to the hearts of those who have never had that cleansing, who've never trusted in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. I pray tonight, Lord, they would just come before you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved. My life needs to be cleaned up. Lord, all too often we try to clean ourselves up to come to you, and we can never do it. We can never meet the standard. And so, Father, I pray tonight that we will just come with open hearts and open, open doors and open rooms in our life to say, Here we are, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of it. I turn away from it, and I turn to follow you. Save me, Jesus. Come into my life. And help me to live for you all the days of my life as you cleanse my heart daily. And Father, I pray that you'll have your will and your way in our hearts and our lives during this invitation. Lord, we give everything to you to bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you to stand as we sing our hymn of invitation number 542. In loving kindness, Jesus came. If the Lord's laid on your heart to come tonight, maybe just to pray at the altar. Maybe that's what you need to do, or maybe right where you are. Maybe you're here tonight, and you need to come and ask Jesus into your heart. Would you come tonight? Would you stand as we sing? Would you on, online there just comment and let us know your decision, too?
1: Kindness, Jesus came My soul in mercy To reclaim And from the depths Of sin and shame Through grace He lifted me From sinking sand He lifted me With tender hands He lifted me From days of life to planes of light, oh, praise his name, he lifted me. He called me long before I heard, before my sinful heart was stirred. But when I took him at his word, forgiven he lifted me. From sinking sand he lifted me, with tender hands he lifted me, from shades of
0: Thank you for being here in person tonight thank those of you for joining online with us tonight Uh, we'll be back at six o'clock on wednesday night uh, in the book of joel is where we're at so we're going to be in joel chapter two if you want to join us on wednesday night Uh, We'll also have our Awana program that starts at 530, so come and join us for that also. Our youth will be meeting uh, also in in their room upstairs. Uh, All those things will be going on at 530 and 6 o'clock this Wednesday. We look forward to seeing you online uh, here for the services. So you have a blessed week. We'll see you this Wednesday.